I was just telling you, Kieran, that I've um, been hearing my name a lot lately uh, because <laughs> everyone's talking about about the Snyder Cut, and I wanted to pose this question to you, which is, well, more back uh, background. I was thinking about how everyone there's no like super famous people with the last name Snyder. It's all just like random side characters in the you know the tapestry that is American life, American culture. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have, of course, Zack Snyder, uh, the director mm-hmm. of you know Justice League, the only true auteur in, in superhero movies, according to his devoted fans. He made 300, Watchmen, etc. There's Gwen Snyder, that uh, Antifa lady who is you know who is who made it her like sole mission to uh, uh, I don't know get Brace fired from True and On. <laughs> and I was literally going through the list. There's Quinn Snyder, who is an NBA coach who. Uh, when he was a college basketball coach, was famous for doing tons of coke and having sex with the players' girlfriends. Mm. Um, Rick Snyder, governor of, of Michigan. I just think it would be a very interesting tapestry of American life. Like no one would dominate, you know. Like I mean, the the, the nationwide Trump convention. Like of course, Donald Trump's going to be running things. So I just wanted to announce that I want to assemble, much like the, my own Justice League. I think it would be a unique. Like what name would be the best? Uh, the most interesting slice of, of American life. And how are we going to reunite you with all the dolds in Germany? That's my, that, that was my other question. <laughs> <laughs> so all, like all the dolds in Germany, I feel like is a lost cause. Um, cause there's like 200 of them and I'm assuming they all live in a tree, but like, yeah, well, they're all in the same place. They'd be easy to find. Yeah. They're Keebler elves. Like they're, they're a simple <laughs> phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> when you go to visit visit them, it's like when Gandalf goes to the Shire. <laughs> just <laughs> like, Kieran, you're here. What did you bring? <laughs> I brought over you them. contraband. <laughs> I brought you a Bringing them first. butter. Um, yeah, yeah, but I have like, because Dold is such a rare name, it does occur regularly that there is like a Facebook group with all the Dolds in them and I will just get invited to it. And it's oh, just... Word. It's just one guy who just like goes around finding everyone with the last name Dold and inviting them to this group. Have you ever had it on Facebook with your exact name? Because I've had that. I mean, maybe I have a more uh, common first name, last name combo. But that's a classic Facebook, like everyone with the same name. And then you're like, hey, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) How's Um, it going? It was that tweet a while ago where like someone had like a really relatively normal name. It was a woman. She was like, Kate something kate smith i'm just gonna make up kate smith but like when she got invited into like a a twitter dm with everyone else who was also called kate smith and it turned out to be like one of the most supportive groups she's ever been (laughs) sure i I want that for you and 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 the dolds they could teach you german yeah they teach me like alman german like husli and stuff can't get over Mm -hmm. husli what's what's husli it's house Ah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Alman German. It's like insane. It's the the dialect of German closest to Swiss German. When you're calling it Alman German, I thought you just meant how Almans, you know. No, I mean specifically <laughs> Almanish, like yeah, very. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. doing German subgroup race science over here. Yeah, yeah, I'm Almanish, and it's just four photos of uh, you know <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> Hey, hey, this is your weekly corner, Spady. Uh, it, it's it's just uh, the Polish coalition of uh, uh, Rob and myself, Kieran. 
Hey, quick yeah. audible today. But you never know what you're going to get. Something a little yeah. exciting, maybe. Yeah, we're, we're here to talk about some, uh, uh, some vibes around the world and specifically Europe. Uh, I believe Rob is br- where we're going to talk about shipping because Rob is bringing his like patented Hamburg energy. Well, we're doing our two favorite things uh, on this episode, you know, returning to our roots. One, strange stories of Euro vibes and two, uh, correcting, the record, uh, correcting the record and being complete pedants about something very specific. Uh, in this case, <laughs> shipping. I mean, the only thing more classic corner Spady is yelling at a graph. I, I, I want to mm-hmm. go back to those episodes where we yelled at a graph. Um, I guess we're going to start with the shipping, right? Um, yeah. If you haven't heard, um, there is a tanker ship or container ship, I should say, blocking the Suez Canal, which has been leading everyone to say, what is shipping? Everyone's looking into <laughs> it, they're pulling up websites with the maps, uh, all that fun stuff. So we are here to uh, correct the record, tell you which tweets are and aren't accurate, and get into shipping a bit because, Kieran, you said on the last uh, Patreon episode that um, you might have heard it because I think it was our, our Twitter clip about how hungry is the future. No, maybe it's a different clip. No, no, it was that. Yeah. Uh, no, we didn't, okay, we didn't put it as the Twitter clip. Sorry, but yeah, that, that's, right. that's my All theory. Right. Yeah. yeah. If you want to figure out how that theory works, uh, you have two options. Pay $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash quarter spady or get me tipsy. Uh, and mm. then corner me at a bar and I'll explain to you. Ask anywhere from politely to just not actively hostile and Kieran will just tell you what he's thinking. Yeah, I'm actually a very nice person. That is true with shipping for the global economy. Like everything about shipping in that it's like every like it it touches like almost all products and oil mm. and materials around you. Um you don't know how it works. It's just out there. Um and yeah, that's basically where we're headed with whether it's Amazon, gig economy stuff, uh, and that of course is everything from like Uber to just you know Deliveroo bikers. Um, yeah. This they it, it's the perfect balance of like backbone of like the global supply chain and out of sight, out of mind. No one has to think about it. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I had like two things, which was like whenever I see the picture of Evergreen in the Suez Canal, I'm just like. It might be actually really chill to just be on a boat going up and down the Suez Canal. That seems like a nice vibe. I want to do that. I want to look at like, I don't know, the the probably the greenest part of Egypt because it's along the Nile or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, and also it does look. There's yeah. something calming about a canal that it's somewhat narrow. It's like it's like playing bowling with the with the sides up. Yeah, You're no, like, oh, like, like yeah, exactly. Rivers, nah, fuck off. Rivers too dangerous, scary. Don't like it. They flood. Uh, they have uh, torrents. They, they bend? Nah, not mm. having any of that. Uh, canals, chill, uh, easy going. <laughs> Man-made, know where it came from. Yes, e- elevators of the sea is what they're usually yes. called. And right now there's someone stuck in an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, don't, please don't share this. I'm a ship expert. They only do this when they're distressed. <laughs> But the uh, the other thing about like shipping industry being like very powerful or all consuming, as as Rob kind of pointed out, that it's like everything. It's also perfectly out of sight, out of mind. Is um, also just like the shitty like eco austerity greens conversation about airline travel. So like mm-hmm. you know, uh, a lot of greens will talk about like oh we don't need to do airline travel anymore, blah blah blah, or like aviation is this massive polluter, blah blah blah. Um, which is like first of all fuck you 
which is hard to do because also like I agree trains are cool build more trains but like sometimes planes are necessary um but like commercial aviation is like 0.1% of global emissions like most aviation uh global emissions is like it's 2.4% and most of that's like the military um but like shipping is a massive fucking polluter and no one fucking talks about it or it's like absurd it, it's a um, I, I guess what the point i'm making is is a very powerful industry because none of the like fucking spineless supposedly green politicians ever dared to like bring it up yeah because it's too it's so out of like that's what's so perfect about it as like the ideal um you know industry under capitalism in mm. that uh, you have the number here, eighteen percent of the of um, all global emissions. Yeah, and that's that's twofold. That's one, of course. There's like tons of uh, ships, <laughs> like they're going everywhere. They're huge. They take a lot of fuel, but the fuel that they use is like yeah. the worst, dirtiest kind of oil. Like, it's like fuel, one yeah. one step removed from crude oil versus yeah. like the heavily processed stuff that gets turned into gasoline. And it's also like. Uh, this is it's like when i cook for myself it's like this is this is basically just still raw food i just yeah anyone anyone out there who's stirred it for 10 seconds anyone out there who's in a committed relationship and knows that feeling of when you're like your partner says hey i'm going away for the weekend and you just go in your head i'm gonna cook and make something fucking stupid (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna get like minced meat and a giant bowl of rice let's fucking go um Yeah, it's kind of that. That's the kind of fuel equivalent. This is also like ignoring um, a huge problem with the sea, which is like uh, sound pollution as well. They're a huge part of that, which is just like fucking with everything that lives in the sea. I mean, like, who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> the, the ships are just like literally these ships. I mean, the other thing that everyone points out are they're they're massive. These ships, oh, yeah. and I mean, they're getting bigger and bigger. All like there's graphs about how they're like exponentially more carrying capacities over the past 50, 60 years or something. Yeah, um, yeah those you just run everything over. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, killing Shamu on on the fuel thing quickly. Um, there was a big to do from the uh, like international maritime organization about reducing the like sulfur emissions uh in the the bunker fuel it's called that the ships use um and i think even that might not even get at the like like sulfur might not be the key cause of global warming it just causes other kinds of like you know pollution like it's bad for agriculture and breathing and all that stuff so even that's confused but the the other thing is that like how the fuck are you going to regulate it like because ships are like all right well a Tons of countries are just like, we're not going to check. Who cares? <laughs> B, like, um, it's, I mean, they've, like, taken steps to, like, get around this. But the other thing you can do, this is what's been going on in Europe for a long time. Because the EU has very strict, or I, I don't know if it's the EU or some other Schengen organization. But, like, within, like, coastal, so we're talking, like, Baltic Sea, North Sea, like, close to land. You have to use, like, the most refined uh, version of bunker fuel. Um, because like I said, it's bad for breathing and, and crops mm. and whatever. But then what they do is for like, you know, 98% of the trip across the ocean, they're using the dirty stuff. And then literally for the last, <laughs> yeah. last like couple hours, they're like, Oh, okay, we'll, we'll use the nice stuff. Um, yeah. Putting on your tie to work, like right when you get in the door to the office. <laughs> and so it produces a lot of like good headlines, like, 
you know, they're playing to tackle and it's going to reduce, you know, yeah. emissions by 65%. But like, how are you going to do it? <laughs> and Good I spin. feel like sh- shipping and like how opaque it is on purpose um, is like a great example of like, how exactly are you going to carry out all these good ideas? Um, and a big reason shipping can't carry out anything is because uh, baked into the the business plan is how little power workers have over any kind of point in the in the supply chain. Uh, everyone's joking, like, yeah, like this the ship took down. Um, it's freezing up the uh, the global economy and it's destroying like four hundred million dollars of value a day or whatever. But individual workers have very little. Like, just imagine you are a worker alone on a ship in the middle of the ocean. Your uh, ship is registered to one country, which is a complete fake flag of convenience, usually Panama or something. And then actually you're getting the contract from another country. You're from, let's say, the Philippines, which uh, I think something like 16% of all ship workers are. Uh, and you're traveling from, I don't know, Saudi Arabia to China. It's like, how exactly are we supposed to build some situation? I'm jumping around. But there's one quote from this... Um, uh, I'll link it in the description. A very good Baffler article reviewing a, uh, I guess, like a left-wing history of uh, the rise of, you know, the shipping and, and tanker world. Um, th- they gave one example of a, a 1981 case w- in which Filipino crew members aboard a Saudi ship docked in Rotterdam and they went on strike for, you know, better ration, uh, rations. The Dutch courts ruled that a Philippine law prohibited them from legally striking. So, like, they're like, sorry, can't ask us. It's like, what are you supposed to do in this situation? Like, it's so intertwined. I mean, I, I guess that's why they're a good uh, representation of globalization, right? Like, shipping is like, oh, it's amazing. I can get, um, like, it's cheaper for, there was a there was a meme a long time ago about, like, uh, pineapples from, what were they, from Argentina and packed in China or something, or packed in Thailand, yeah. I want to say. Yeah, it's like, wow, it's amazing how cheap it is. Like, you can look at your product and think, wow, this is from all the way across the world. Um, the reason you can like interconnect all these things is because of the absolute control that most companies have over every point of the supply chain. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's yeah. all like so many industries. Um, there is some news about how car industries are going to be um, affected because they like don't keep up a storage of parts. They wait for them to arrive. But like you can't strike in like a a planned action, like a like an active solid uh, inspired by solidarity or in a strategic way. Um, it's just like it's so it's scary like it's out of anyone's control basically well they had like um, speaking of people who are like absolutely obsessed with this do you not remember when we did the uh, the R neoliberal website or uh, oh yeah 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 Yeah, they had like their cargo ship meme uh, quote unquote I did air quotes no one can see that it's a recording but um, yeah yeah, the the meme of just like a picture of a cargo ship and just like all of them it's like cool. It's so fucking cool, man. Um, yeah, it's like I actually love the Joker. I'm gonna kill Barney. That's it's that same energy. Like, oh wow, you're this evil thing. You're you're actually for it. Cool, dude. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think what else I wanted to say. Of course, the military factors into this a lot because, um, again, referring back to this Baffler piece, like who runs like the whole thing about the ocean is that like you're all alone i mean there's a reason pirates have whatever have a mystique um and the the example with the with the rotterdam court they're like well you know those 
you were operating under different laws, or basically they can choose what laws apply. What fills this power vacuum is usually the military. So like the U.S. military will step in. There were calls already, I think from, I don't know, some groups being like, the U.S. Navy needs to be prepared to stand in to like, you know, resolve this crisis. Because what is the U.S. Navy, and even back in the 80s, the Baffler uh, piece talks about how the Soviet Union did it for their supply chains. You know, at the end of the day, when supply chains and the global economy is outside of the control of any one state, basically it's like military force that will come in and like resolve a crisis situation. That like, make sure the whole system's well lubricated to keep, you know, pumping out whatever it's designed to pump out. That's all it can really do. And that's the only lever, right, that even one uh, one single entity has over, you know, steering this ship. I guess the ship is a pretty good metaphor then for how uh, capitalism <laughs> works. Um, there's some stuff in, like, your notes that you kind of wrote down because I'm, I'm here, like you listener, just tapping into uh, Rob's shipping brain. Uh, uh, again, this is this is just stuff that you pick up if you, like, live in, like, Hamburg or, like, Rotterdam. This just, like, this information just enters into you via uh, yeah. uh, osmosis. People, people stop you on the street and pop quiz you. It's really adorable and annoying. it's a lot of like hamburg mbc npc characters just like did you know yeah Yeah. to to complete your quests like for for example getting groceries at edica you have to answer some some riddles from from townspeople (laughs) yeah god damn it um some of the questions i have to ask you though is just like this gig economy thing you mentioned uh is there like a gig economy for shipping shit now well, I mean, it's gig economy in the sense that a lot of them are like like long-term contracts, like yeah, like these um I'll like be assigned to some ship for 6 months and then when the contract's up it's like all right, peace, like that kind of stuff. Like you're not in any there are unions, but like as I understand it like the dock workers, which makes sense, are much more unionized than the actual ship workers because ship workers are again, they're getting people from completely opposite sides of the world who have like no other prior connection and historically like Mm. saudi aramco will like hire like palestinian refugees because they are less organized than the italian uh you know uh sailors who were there before and so like every step is like you know how, how can we get like the latest and greatest um you know disorganized workforce um and i mean the gig economy stuff is like the reason I bring that up is I don't know if there's like apps <laughs> and things used to uh, coordinate uh, these kinds of things. I would imagine not. I guess a better parallel would be like uh, like seasonal uh, uh, farm workers, like uh, as we've talked about on the mm. podcast in Europe. Because it's kind of like you you have no you are like the whole process is designed to like isolate you as an individual participating in some in some system, which of course is what I think a lot of people relate to the gig economy is what else did i want to mention uh all shipping questions feel free to to direct them at me plenty of ships went around the cape of good hope all the time the tweet isn't very <laughs> funny Suez canal is just one option you know you can yeah. go around too because it was always slow and cost money to go through the Suez canal so it's like you're making a decision mm. anyway sorry pet pedantry uh, coming through there's one Guardian article that, I don't know, just when I was Googling it today, like, hmm, this thing is, seems to uh, have gotten, caught the popular imagination. Oh, yeah. um, there's, of course, like, everyone is providing different angles, like, oh, 
I'm going to like uh, use some data to show you what percentage are oil tankers versus container versus bulk carrier. Um, there's one very funny one to, to me at least that, that I uh, saw at the Guardian today because it so perfectly captures um, like a certain idea of like um, what's the word the way that business should be done perhaps from like a like a woke young like startup like how do we like streamline this market and how do we like get more transparency and data and flexibility uh and how funny that is applied to something like shipping which is like designed to be like you don't know who your boss is you don't know who owns this boat you don't know what you're doing you just like <laughs> shut up and do it um you're the middle of the fucking ocean people can do whatever whatever they want to you um and that is uh, The Guardian, uh, the title being Muddy the Waters. Egyptian authorities struggle with Suez Canal blockage. Few observers expect transparency about when the historic waterway will reopen. So it goes in about how like, wow, isn't this crazy? The Suez Canal is like one ship, you know, running ashore can freeze the, the uh, global economy. Yeah. And then it takes a little trip down memory lane saying, oh, no. ah, that the construction began on the 120 mile canal in 1859. Before, uh, insert uh, dramatic music here, Gama Abdel Nasser nationalized it in 1956, wrenching control from a British-French company. And then it goes into how Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi tapped into the same vein of national pride after seizing power and military coup in 2013 and about how he decided to widen the Suez Canal and how um, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty in like uh, like there's a lot of control and no one really knows what's going on with the canal. This is a quote from uh, a, pi a a captain who I guess captained some of these ships. Quote, the canal pilots play music inside the bridge and there's a lack of AIS supported backup. They connect it to, with a computer, but the canal pilots are very overconfident when it comes to navigating by sight. Every time they're eating food, smoking, talking a lot, asking for bribes, which keeps them very busy. He, he specifies, we call the Suez Canal Marlborough Country. If we provide them with a big carton of Marlboro cigarettes, they're happy. Which is hilarious to me when it's, sort of, when it's saying like, hey, isn't it crazy that these locals are, you know, they're eating, smoking, they're not turning on their data because like, oh God, we need the data. Just the idea that, you know, someone needs to go to Egypt and make sure that they're, the canal pilots are doing things by the book. And it's like, this is just slop for your people in Volt to be like, I really learned about how we can improve the shipping industry today. Yeah. Did you know they're not using their AIS-supported backup? <laughs> it's like, it's just like, that's yes, quite. That, oh, you little, like, it's designed to, like, be uh, as infantilizing as possible. Like, oh, don't you like transparency? Like, wouldn't it be great if the if the U.S. intervened with the military to make sure that they, you know, collect enough data on the on the the from the canal pilots? Yeah. Uh, it it is right. I feel like no. I I feel like a, a vault did have like a bunch of shit about shipping. But all I can re all I can remember is that really cursed thing we discovered where they were like, let's put all the refugees on a cruise ship. So yeah, mm. 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 fits too well. Um, the the same captain was uh, quote um, was skeptical about how uh, the incident would be resolved. Quote. The investigation will not be transparent and will take a long time due to bureaucracy. It's essential that the Egyptian government, this is a quote from someone else, be transparent going forward over this crisis to retain its credibility. This current communication strategy is not serving the Egyptian government's interests. 
which is just like a blatant like you know you really have to be more um uh, uh open and transparent about how this canal works and the, uh, the president of egypt whoever it is can be like fuck you what are you gonna go <laughs> it's a big hole in the ground if you want to come through you got to pay me my cigarettes and some money <laughs> fuck you yeah. i'm not giving, giving you any information and like that's how the global economy works and like i just love all the window dressing pretending that like you know we're, we're really working to increase transparency across supply chains i i also love the the usage of the word of just like well, if you're not going to be transparent about how this is all working, I don't think you're very credible. Oh, oh, person of <laughs> the Guardian doesn't think I'm very credible. Boo-hoo-hoo. I'm the fucking <laughs> president of Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just a hilarious like outward facing and inward facing because of of course anyone in the shipping industry will be like. That's the way it works. Another another way it's like Amazon is that like I do think there's a bit of a hierarchy between, you know, you're forced to endure blue check former uh you know Barack Obama uh inner team <laughs> like yeah. an, an oval office like VPs work for Amazon and then pre- press releases being like, "Oh, you really think they pee in bottles?" <laughs> and that's that's the equivalent of like, you know, British uh, retired ship captains who get to just do interviews being like, let me tell you about the little thing called the seas. <laughs> she, She's a fickle maiden and all this stuff. And like, that's, that's the equivalent in the shipping world. And then of course the like, however many, I don't even know how many Amazon warehouse workers there are and delivery drivers uh, who are peeing in bottles. That's the equivalent of the ship of the like actual bulk of people who like literally like, you know, wear an Amazon name tag all day and who, you know, work in the shipping industry, but they're definitely not getting quoted in uh, the Guardian and Financial Times. No, yeah, but like that's, I feel like that's the same. That's forever thus with like any major actual industry. Because um, yeah, I, I, I'm always kind of impressed or like, something that you kind of learn if you ever come to the left over time is just like the amount of fucking industry that you just like will not hear about like people will you know get very excited about like anti-competition law against like the big tech companies and they're big companies but the reason we do fixate on them is because we have like a consumer relationship with like apple and facebook and fucking amazon or whatever but then there's just like all this other industry that is just not meant for you. And it exists as the infrastructure for the things you probably do see. Like uh, um, H&M just talking about like like a year ago being like, oh, we won't take cotton from Xinjiang. And everyone's like, that's great. But like the track record of H&M and like sweatshop labor and stuff like that is terrible. But it's like just kept away from you sufficiently enough. And then, yeah, there's this 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 two faced machine for any one of these industries of just like, you know, the smiley happy PR face, and then the like industry know how face of just like that's how it works, versus the version that tells you actually this is all fine and great. But this uh this this industry that's like a Jenga tower of like Epstein level uh mutually assured destruction of secrets, I mean <laughs> of like drugs, humans, whatever's getting delivered. Yeah. Uh that's definitely going to be all straightened out once we get some more uh, data collection going on. Yeah, 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 we put like uh we put one of those uh Google Echo dots things in each in each captain corner <laughs> of, of every ship out there and 
We did something. <laughs> <laughs> we know that we know the captain's not le- like a slave laborer. That's that's some of them, I guess. <laughs> we'll, we'll take uh, take moral victories. Yeah, 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 and that's the other thing. Like uh, maybe you know better, but as far as I understand, slavery is still pretty rife in this industry, right? Yeah, I mean, because so much of the, there's a there's a classic uh, situation where. Like so much of, uh, I'm I'm testing some of the like business limits of my knowledge here because I'm supposed to just be looking at the data. But like so much of like the shipping, like as you can imagine, these things are like fucking expensive to build. Like it's just a giant hunk of you know metal and all that stuff. And so like basically the way that shipping, whatever profits like from the shipping company's point of view are calculated is that they're like, and I mean this is I guess how a lot of uh, uh, a way of looking at like a lot of products uh, lifespan value like it took all this x amount of millions to build and since it's a big hunk of metal it's worth some x or i should say y uh million dollars as just scrap and like from that time from that amount between x and y you're just hoping to recoup enough you know deliveries and whatever to make up for it but at some point especially if it's getting a little old and some company maybe you're doing something illegal like you know using that wrong fuel you're not supposed to do or you know they always let you use the wrong fuel, but now like there's some politically motivated, someone's going to like give you hassle for it. Um, the ship owner who again is like not the country that owns the ship and is not the person who contracted the, uh, the, the captain of the ship and is not the person who supplied the labor. They'll just be like, yeah, fuck it. I'll leave it there. And then yeah. like the people on the ship can't do it. Like <laughs> they're like, well, I don't want, I'm in a completely different country. Like how do I get home? And there's stories of people, the, um, as far as I know, the 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 explosion in in the port of Beirut, like, what was that last year now, or two yeah, years yeah, ago? Yeah. Um, no, that year, was a it was a case of like th- exactly this happening, and the uh, I think the 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 sailors were stuck there for like eleven months just because they're like the person was like, "All right, fuck, I'll just leave the leave the ship there. Um, I'll come back for it later." And the stuff that blew up was the cargo on that ship that had been there for like six years or something. I remember the kind of like analysis of like who's to blame was kind of like, I don't know, got into a very weird and probably uh, in retrospect unsettling like orientalist kind of like, oh, look at Lebanon not being able to do bureaucracy correctly because that was kind of like who was blamed for that whole thing. But then it was like, why uh, is yes. this like, yeah. Yes. Only, only in... Lebanon is the shipping industry like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like I know they they didn't even focus on the shipping industry stuff. It was just like you know it was left there, and then local authorities yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. handle it. And I'm like, but you could say like well, ports, it like it's not even that different. Like every port, are you kidding me? Like <laughs> around the world is the same. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, also, thinking, I was also looking at like fucking because uh, this whole yeah this whole industry is kind of like rotten from like top to bottom because or like beginning to end because I'm also just looking at like ship graveyards as well those things mm. are just horrific like they just ruin entire mm. like cities and like bikini atoll which is like still like under america's dominion is just an entire ship graveyard now um for world war ii era like pacific fleets uh just like left there and i think there's parts of like india where like the rust gets into the water and stuff and it like fucks everything up I, here, here's a little here's a little media savvy tip for everybody. Uh, you know, talking about meme uh, Wall Street meme bets. Um, ships are going to be in this year, so already get some photos of that Bikini Atoll ship graveyard. Just be like, 
me and me and the boys when we get vaccinated or you know whatever the the thing of the week is get some photos download them get a few different angles and uh you will be you'll be churning out content my friend turn it into a non-fungible token <laughs> yes. oh, that that's that's or that has to exist that right the picture of the evergreen in the zuez as like a non-fungible token that has to exist when you uh when when they don't pay for their nft um when you open the NFT and it uh, and it's uh, Rickroll, <laughs> um, that's that's my book report for the week, Kieran. That's your book report. Yeah, we were talking about book reports before we started recording. We shouldn't reference that. Um, maybe, maybe I'll include it. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'll pause the podcast for five minutes here and then go back and put it in. Just, just break the flow completely, um, because that's kind of like upsetting, terrible industry shit. Uh, that yeah. um, seems kind of unchangeable to a certain extent, you know. Beyond yeah, the, right. The, I don't know. Yeah, beyond the usual. Unless we stuff. take over all the ships. Yeah, yeah. That like should just, be our plan. Do the do the uh, uh, the the Tom Hanks film, but like coordinated with all ships. How many ships can there be? <laughs> Eight. <laughs> One of them stuck. Take it. Uh, I have a little bit of levity for you, which is a a, a Georgia update. So uh, something that we kind of like overlooked happened like about a month ago or so, um, which is no one basic, uh, like there was an election in Georgia uh, last autumn in the fall and um, none of the opposition parties like recognized the results of it. Um, Georgian Dream won, classic, uh, uh, in the Spatey canon. Um, international observers were like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, uh, this election wasn't illegal, like nothing was too bad. We have some concerns about uh, irregularities, but, you know, we've seen worse elections is basically the international observer's take <laughs> on it. That, that's how you're like slipping under the radar. Like, you know, you're not getting hassled by the teacher. You're not fail. You're not the worst in the class. Yeah. yeah but you're yeah, like yeah. just mediocre enough that you can, well, yeah, goof off. <laughs> so a head of opposition for the... Um, United National Movement, I believe it's it's called, uh, which is a guy called Nika Melia. Um, United National Movement, by the way, is like a color ass, like color revolution ass party. Uh, they, they they there was the Rose Revolution in um, God, I want to say two thousand eight, maybe a little bit later, and that's what kind of swept them to power. But uh, he was arrested for inciting violence at an anti-government protest. Then the Prime Minister of Georgian Dream, like the head of Georgian Dream and the Prime Minister, uh, Georgi Gakhari, uh, resigned basically for not arresting this guy fast enough. Uh, <laughs> he failed his mission. Yeah, right. Bad job, Agent 37. <laughs> you didn't do it fast enough. You were noticed. So, former Defense Minister Irakli Garabashvili, God damn it, Georgian, uh, is now Prime Minister. He's the second youngest state leader in the world after Kim Jong Un. Um, he's oh, nice. got he's got a face like a wax sculpture. Uh, I, I've heard enough. Youngest prime minister and and wax sculpture face. Yeah. Put this man on Time Magazine, <laughs> disrupting Georgia. Um, but he's a longtime associate of former Mega Rika Bidzina Ivanishvili. God damn it! Well, he he knows talent when he when he sees it. When he first saw the the sun uh, blind him from gle gleaming off his wax face, yeah. he knew that he was onto something special. 
So as interesting, you should bring up the son, uh, um, Bera Ivishinivili, who is a regular uh, 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 fixture of the Cornish Beatty canon from a long time ago, from her first Mega Rika ever. The albino rapping son of Georgia's richest man slash former prime minister. So this guy who's now the prime minister, Irakli, he's a, a, he's a board member of the bank that the richest guy owns, Cartu Bank. But also... Also, the director of Barra's record label, oh. uh, which is also called Georgian Dream, to for anyone to remember <laughs> that. Um, I said as a joke that he's uh, you know disrupting Georgia, but he's actually streamlining things. <laughs> you don't need separate positions. He can do both jobs. He wears multiple hats, as we say in the biz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a. Uh, um, you know, one of the benefits of running in a in a startup country is you'll be asked to do things that are maybe a bit out of your job description. <laughs> yeah, he li- he likes to learn on the job. Yeah, yeah, get some experience. You know, put in late hours, beers on Friday. He's watching 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 videos of of Suge Knight. So, like everything in Georgian politics, when it comes to Georgian dream, everyone is still pretty sure that the richest guy, Bidzina it Ivanishvili, Ivanishvili, something like that, is pretty much still involved and like running the whole thing so it's it's kind of come to like a weird head where this guy in the opposition was arrested all other uh, opposition parties are basically not showing up to parliament trying to reduce the uh, uh, legitimacy of Iraqli's government but then the leaks happened and these leaks are fun so if you're in the document rob there should be like a fucking metal gear solid ass image <laughs> <laughs> yeah the only thing i can see yes i i do indeed see this yeah, yeah, yeah so um there was a bunch of leaked recordings between albino rapping son uh uh bera bera ivanishvili and the new prime minister slash bank board member slash record label owner um Irakli, forgotten his last name do we have any idea? Sorry if I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on your toes. Um, do we have any idea who leaked it? I mean, because you said like there's a coalition of opposition parties. Um, is it like third party? Do you think someone went undercover? Do we have any idea here? So uh, I think as far as I know, it's hacked. Like, it, like quote unquote hacked, whatever that means, which just means like someone probably guessed Bera's password. Uh, <laughs> Georgian Dream. His password is Georgian Dream. <laughs> <laughs> The A was the at the at symbol. Yeah, took, yeah, yeah. A, took a couple yeah. tries to get that one. Yeah. So these recordings are kind of like released on like a, a opposition TV channel. Uh, they just play them out. This is the graphic they gave, which again looks like you know the the Metal Gear Solid like talking to major kind of screen. Um, <laughs> so this kind of like heightens a lot of these uh, these problems. So because what's in the recordings? Uh, and here's where we get to the fun stuff. In one tape, Bera and Arakli are talking uh, to the head of state personal security, the agency that protects government officials, about using that agency to harass critics of Bera's music on social media. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> they also recall having state police bully a schoolboy infant and his family in front of his neighbors <laughs> and then laugh about it. Wait, wait, say that again. A schoolboy? How yeah, old yeah, yeah. are we talking? Because people who criticize the albino rapping son <laughs> on social media are teenagers because of course they are. I'm imagining um, 
like the U.S. equivalent, if somehow like LeBron James could do this, and every twelve-year-old who calls him like Le Pussy get a real get a real ring or like which is, like thousands of these posts who are either like forty-five-year-old men in suburban Boston or twelve years old. Yeah, um, yeah. If it just like unleash the the full power of the state security apparatus on them. Yeah, right. Since this leak came out, people have come forward corroborating what's on the tapes. Uh, a musician came forward about police bullying him to delete a Facebook post critical of Barra's work. Uh, that was in 2013. In 2016, a waiter uh, was threatened with losing his job, harassed by the police, and received phone calls from Barra himself over a Facebook <laughs> post criticizing Barra's music. Again, Barra does not actually know this waiter. <laughs> he just did a public post being like, I don't like this guy's music. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, why don't you uh, spread some positivity on the timeline? You yeah, know, right? always coming in with this negative energy. <laughs> um, so the response to this has also been quite good because the uh, uh, Georgian dream officials, like the politicians have kind of like conflicting response, about what's happening here. Um, one rebuttal is to claim that the recordings are before Bidzina Ivanishvili, uh, Bera's dad, took power. So it's fine. Mm. Back we when just, he had no no power as the richest man in Georgia who used to run the country. Yeah, yeah, but we still somehow <laughs> were able to have conversations with the head of state security. <laughs> uh, that kind of pokes a hole in it. Uh, uh, and it also... that defense only works if you don't believe the like musician and the waiter who came forward being like yeah this happened in 2013 and 2016 back when Bidzina was prime minister um however the other defense that's coming from some georgian dream officials is it's all fake of course deep fakes have gotten very advanced yeah yeah we like that you've got so much access to bera's voice you can make a bot you can make like a synthesized thing you can just type out I and mean, like with like microsoft sam but bearer's voice in georgian we got all his like his back catalog uh bearer's response himself was to say any georgian would defend their family if dishonored <laughs> <laughs> really leading into his role as like i don't know a fantasy yeah. character <laughs> are you are, are you winning son i'm defending the honor of our great family <laughs> um please people, don't interrupt yeah people kind of pointed out that like yeah maybe that's true but most of us don't have access to the head of like state security um other people kind of pointed out that this is problematic because apparently youth honor killings are a problem in georgia oh um did not know that i did not know that either until i looked into this but like a footballer was killed on the street uh, through like a weird kind of again like Facebook spat between him and some other kids um, because like most professional footballers are also just like teenagers. Um, the other thing it ignores that like or people kind of pointed out about Barra's response of like you know um, I would defend my family is that while you kind of mention in the tapes that you like you also want to use state security to like harass people who are critical of your dad, the prime minister. Um, most of the stuff that people came forward about that said it happened to them were people who criticized your music. Yeah. But his music 
it says in the title represents Georgia. Yep. And the dream of Georgia, which only his dad has. Yeah. So the dream is to elect this man. You really it's even a it's even a more hurtful criticism than if you attacked his his looks or his personality or anything about him. His music is because it's you know more personal, honestly. So yeah, that's that's my Georgian update and what's happened with Bera Ivanishvili, who is um (laughs) I have a couple clarifying questions. Yeah. I feel like um I mean, I don't want to downplay the the violence or repression uh, that the Georgian state security apparatus is capable of, mm. but based on the descriptions, it was like a. It seems like a lot of I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse, force him to delete his Facebook posts. <laughs> like, are they? Like, I'm just imagining if he had access to like you know complete like drone warfare, mm. <laughs> just like like raining like hell down on. Uh, down on any any youtube commenter who says that he you know i don't know <laughs> your beats are f- flat your flow sucks i don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. um bear is not a very good musician like <laughs> oh wait kieran kieran please please I, you have a family you have a family to think about <laughs> um yeah, since he never found our episode from like two years ago, I th- I think we're okay. I think you have to like be critical of him in Georgian, like the language, for him mm, to know. Okay, then we should be safe. Yeah, we should be grand. His he has he has a, a private data team working on reverse, like creating their own Google Translate to uh, and do some machine learning algorithms to identify the finest Macedonian teenagers money could buy. <laughs> <laughs> You put a hundred Macedonian teenagers in a room and they'll produce Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Any more clarifying questions or should we wrap this episode up? Um is he the only son or I guess I guess I should say offspring availing himself of this situation? Because the other the other children, don't they have some positions? I don't know if they're wasn't there another someone in a public role? Uh no, because he is the oldest. The other two are like okay. still relatively young. Like I, he's married now or whatever, but I think he's still like mid twenties. That's true. He's a father, as, as far as I know. Yeah, he is. He has his congratulations. Uh, he has Vera. his younger albino uh, albino brother, um, the second of three uh, sons. The two who are albino. Um, which when I posted a picture of him next to his younger albino brother, people kind of pointed out in the comments that it reminded them of like. Those like mobile phone game ads where it's like level ten, level fifty. Um, <laughs> Bear is jacked, <laughs> um, and just like his younger brother just refuses to work on his arms, um, just like out of I don't know religious principle or something. <laughs> I mean, it's like he's inventing a new style. It's like how in the eighteen hundreds everyone had giant <laughs> like like they they shaved it so they just had a neck beard. He's going to be the first one to have like yeah, twig yeah. arms and just like massive chest, like Schwarzenegger sized chest, and no arms. Yeah. Yeah. The third son, the youngest son, is a bit of a mystery. Mm. I think he doesn't have a. May- maybe mom, he's, maybe he's making all the comments online. That'd be, that'd be a good twist. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's a, there's like a Georgian version of the show Succession, which is about this. <laughs> well, about this. He family. could claim that he's defending the family's honor because he's like, your music sucks. You're embarrassing yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be the underdog on the show for sure. <laughs> oh, God. 
I love I love I love Bera. I will always pay attention to Bera. Bera is the best. Is there um is there any sign of uh you know resignations coming? Anything like that? No, much into what we were discussing with like the shipping industry and the president of Egypt, the response of George and Dream so far has been just to be like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> we're in control. Um People like some people are hand wringing about like a democratic backslide in Georgia, which I'm like, I don't know what you were fucking expecting, <laughs> man. Um, have you seen like the rest of like post Soviet states? A backslide is such a great um, um, word that no one really uses in real life, but it's used like it's like the 74th most common word on like I don't know, Voxplainers or like Politico. Dot, <laughs> you know, the, the, the EU Politico. It's like there's a lot of backsliding going yeah, on yeah. here. It's I think it's just like a fucking slip and slide. Like they just <laughs> they just walk <laughs> down from the bottom and are back at the top now, and they're going to take another run. Yeah. The other, the other problem as well that like I think some people have taken to the streets and whatnot in Georgia, but like the other the opposition parties are like also fairly shit. Yeah. Like United National Movement is like a right-wing, very, like, austerity party. Like, the Georgian dream is meant to be, like, the Georgian, like, Blairite Social Democrat party. Mm -hmm. They're meant to be the good ones. They're meant to be capitalism with the friendly face. Albino capitalism. Uh, (laughs) And with that, I think that's been another episode of Cornish Beatty. Uh, We will see you guys on the bonus feed on Friday. Yes, we're going to be... Anything else to plug? We have... uh, if you if you listen to this in the next twenty one minutes, and I mean tonight, <laughs> Friday the twenty sixth, uh, check out Eurovibes three, the Twitch stream. Uh, it's yeah. a great time. Uh, I don't know if we have any videos from Georgia. Oh no, we do. We do. Okay, excellent, excellent. You are in good. See, I got, I got. Listener, videos, you are in good hands with Kieran's curation. There's <laughs> a lot of. Uh, it's a whole. It's like wearing three D glasses. And listening to Corner Spagey. There's a whole added uh, element to to understanding uh, the vibe that is Europe. Uh, uh, hopefully we, like, subscribe to twitch.tv forward slash Corner Spagey. We should hopefully be doing more Twitch streams. But yeah, then just, you know, donate to Patreon to get extra episodes as well. Do that. Yeah. Support yeah. us. Help us. Please, in, in any way. Kieran, Kieran has to has to build fortifications around his apartment um, to prevent the, mm-hmm. the, the, the Georgian security uh apparatus okay. from you know harassing uh, his family uh rob has sunk a lot of his personal wealth into a taiwanese shipping company that's not looking too hot right now for say let's say uh an incident in egypt uh so hopefully the we can fix that situation real quick yeah but that i always knew that was more of like a like a passion project like i just want to get out on the open <laughs> seas don't spend any money you're not willing to lose I have always said I want to be the, uh, the, the, the Paul Walker of uh, the VLCC oil tanker uh, world. <laughs> I know. Yeah, right? Yeah. Hamburg Drift. This is, yeah, this is, this is Hamburg culture, baby. Just like owning a shipping company. <laughs> All right. Ciao, ciao. Bye. What do, what do you call them again? Book reports. Yeah, but yeah, book reports. We don't do those. So what, what do you do with the book? We read it. <laughs> <laughs> How do you prove to your teacher that you read the book, that you did the homework? Uh, there'd probably be a quiz. Mm, okay. That'd I think the like... book re- part of the book report idea is that everyone reads a different book and then you share your knowledge on the book. So then you can't test yeah. 
like the entire class at once. Although, of course, there's like books everyone has to read, but I think that's later usually in middle yeah, school. Yeah, no, it was just books everyone had to read. Like, like correct me if I'm wrong, is book reporting just like as, as an American function? Is that just like encouraging kids to read? I think so. If that, like, that's mi- the, like, you got some bonus stars or points or something for doing a book report, probably. Yeah, uh, yeah we had a thing called the MS Readathon in Ireland. Mm-hmm. that was like you would get sponsored by people it's like the way a marathon works you get sponsored by people to reach certain targets and there's prizes and things like that and it's within a i can't remember how long i think it's a month how many books you can read mm-hmm. and uh you raise money for um multiple sclero- sclerosis charities mm. and like readathon. like the uh the water drinking competitions you can die from reading too many books at once and it has happened <laughs> all across ireland um uh, ms readathon is also the name of the ship that's stuck in the suez canal <laughs> i love ship names yeah they, they are great they're they have just just call them anything um do you have to read a lot of shakespeare in ireland or is that like a fuck you we're not reading this no, no, we do. So, um, I mean, that's the classic complaint. Like middle school, you got to read Romeo and Juliet, Midsummer's Night, Midsummer, however you say it. That uh, one. Midsummer's Night Dream. Yeah. So for our English, um, for English as a subject, um, you have to do this basically twice. Uh, one from like age thirteen to fifteen, and then another from like age sixteen to eighteen. Um, you would have one Shakespeare, uh, one movie, one novel, and one play. Ooh, movies? Yeah, you'd have a movie. And basically the Shakespeare thing would be on its own, and then the other three were a part of something called comparative studies, where you're taking like three, one play, one novel, one film, and like doing a compare and contrast of themes and topics and stuff like that. Okay. So for like my second half, I did Macbeth was my Shakespeare. Um, I did Cinema Paradiso as my film. My play was Philadelphia Here I Come, which is a very good play, actually a very good Irish play. And the book which is absolute garbage was the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime oh yeah i know about that book so fucking shite man yeah absolutely fucking shite yeah because it's like i'm gonna write this book from the perspective of of like uh someone who has autism and over the years it's been revealed that like she did no research Um, i love i love the confidence of uh of of authors like yeah doesn't that always happen like um there was one about like drug addiction too that was big like 15 years ago i feel like um million little pieces they're just like it's just all made up like what they think a drug addict is like yeah for these uh courses there's like a limited range that the schools can pick from uh they change it like year on year uh and there's obviously one set for the older kids and one set for the younger kids and my i talked about this with some other irish friends i don't think anyone liked any of the novels that were available um i don't think any of them stood the test of time 
Mm. And I was always really jealous of the like schools that decided to do for their movie the Truman Show, because that was one of the options. Oh, what? The Truman Show. Oh, the movie of the Truman, uh, Truman Show. Oh, yeah, great, yeah, yeah, great yeah. pick. Yeah, and right. relevant to to uh, today, you know, keeping it. I was wondering if you like if all the kids like did it on the Matrix or something, but I guess Truman Show <laughs> is. Uh, no, no, the the teacher has to pick, unfortunately, uh, and the education board makes a, like a selection that you can pick from. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I really like the the thing that left the impression on me was the play. It was a very good play. What? Yeah, what is that about? I was going to ask you. Is it like um, Irish immigrants go in Philadelphia? Yeah, actually, that might be if you wanted to do like the culture exchange shish. Uh, watching the film version of Philadelphia, Here I Come, would probably be very good. Please. So it's it's about it's the last twenty four hours before a guy, I think in the sixties, Ireland, leaves like rural Ireland for America. It's basically like because it's you know the sixties. Any time before the nineties, basically, it's a death sentence effectively. Not like like you you wouldn't die, but from everyone you would know back in Ireland, you're effectively dead. Um, because you just like you wouldn't be able to afford to fly back regularly. At best, you could do post like letters every so often. So it is just like a story about this guy just coming to the terms with like all the excitement of oh America, the land of like honey and stuff. But then he's like he had a shit relationship with his dad. He has this unrequited love who married the like who he got on better with, but she married the like rich guy in the village and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think this guy came up with this device in like theater. Um, which he called public and private, which he had two people playing the same person, but one was the version that everyone saw, and the other one was the version that was like his thought process, everything going in the head. So like it would be him silently sitting down to dinner with his like reserved conservative dad, while his like the private version was like, "Look at you, you fucker! You've never felt joy in your life," kind of like yelling at him. Okay, it's very good. I really like it. Okay, okay, sure. Let's 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 get to it. I would love to uh, um, experience the uh, the Irish condition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I'd uh, I think we could get cracking on that because I think that would be good. You enjoy doing your movie episodes, and I think it would be a good idea. And I could definitely send you like British and Irish recommendations of like cultural touchstones. Also, uh, just you know, always want to innovate. We could maybe develop on this public-private and just be like, maybe one character when I'm really stoned, one character <laughs> when I'm cranky in the morning, haven't haven't had my coffee uh, yet. Uh, one when I'm sleepy, one when I'm bashful. <laughs> <laughs> just do the two yeah. worms. 